ഫസൗഫയുഹിബുഹും يحبهم ويحبونه أذلة على المؤمنين أعزة على الكافرين يجاهدون في سبيل الله ولا يخافون لومة لائم ذلك فضل الله يؤتيه من يشاء والله واسع عليم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من تواضع لله رفعه الله او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مستفيد علماء الكرام برادرز اند ايلدرز ذس ايت اوف ذا قران شريف الله تعالى سبيكس اباوت تو جروبس اوف بيبل one other ahle irtidad those who leave the deen of allah taala who forsake the deen of allah taala whatever their motive in that is whether it is wealth whether it is position and whatever else it may be and the other group is the group of the ahle muhabbat those in whose heart is the love of allah taala so allah taala says that ya ayyuhal ladina amanu allah taala is addressing the believers those whom allah taala has already blessed with this gift of iman that listen very carefully this gift is something that we have blessed you with allah taala is saying to us that this is your this is something for your benefit and yartadda minkum an deeni anybody who renegades who forsakes his deen then this doesn't harm allah taala in any way what does it harm allah taala allah taala is totally independent of the ibadat of his makhluk لو ان اولكم واخركم وانسكم وجنكم كانوا على اتقى قلب رجل واحد منكم ما زاد ذلك في ملكي شيئا ان الحديث القدسي الله تعالى says that if every single human being on earth from the first till the last human being to step on earth and every human being and every jinn everyone had to become like the most pious person on earth everybody is at the height of piety allah taala says that too doesn't increase anything in my kingdom to even one iota allah taala doesn't need us we need allah taala so allah taala is saying may yartadda minkum an deeni anybody who reneges from his deen and this doesn't harm allah taala in any way allah taala will bring along fasawfa ya'ti allah biqaumi yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbuna 
in moments, Allah Ta'ala can bring another nation along, who Allah Ta'ala will love them and they will love Allah Ta'ala. The first issue here is the issue of the irtidad, this reneging, leaving one's deen, forsaking the deen that Allah Ta'ala has blessed one with. So one is that it happens unfortunately where a person totally forsakes his deen, Allah Ta'ala forbid, leaves Islam and becomes a Christian, becomes a Hindu, or becomes whatever else, Allah Ta'ala forbid. And sometimes this happens because of some material benefit that somebody has been promised or some other issue, sometimes just out of the love of some woman, in order to get married, a person gives up his deen. And that is why it is so vitally important to look after our iman, look after the things that will protect the iman, look after ourselves from those things that will bring about these obstacles in deen and iman. Hazrat Mahashabhi Tanvi Rahmatullah has mentioned one incident of one person who was a muazzin for a, many, for a long time. And in those days, there was no PA system, no loudspeakers, so the azan, the minarets, therefore were always there. People would climb up into the minaret and from a high point in the minaret now would give the azan so that the voice would go far. So this person climbed up the minaret again for the azan one day and now because he was way above the level of the homes around him, so he started looking around and his eyes fell on some girl who was in one of the neighboring yards and he gazed at her for a while and this muhabbat came away in his heart. So he came down again and even knocked on that door and he said, look, I am so and so, I am the muslim of the masjid, I want to marry your daughter. The person of the house said, well, you know very well, we are not even Muslim. And we won't give our daughter to somebody who is not part of our faith and creed. If you are prepared to accept our faith, then we can consider it. So he said, accepted, done. He accepted to become a Christian for the sake of this marriage to this girl. They put some other conditions on him, he accepted that as well. Eventually the date was fixed. That on certain days this wedding will take place. You can't even call it a nikah anymore. That this marriage will take place on a certain date. One day before that marriage was to, due to take place, he was now busy making the preparations. And in that process he was climbing up some steps to get to some upper story. And he fell from that steps. Fell and his neck broke and he died there. Neither did he get dunya. He lost out on dunya and lost out on akhirat as well. Neither did he get Layla and he didn't get Mola also. He lost out on whatever he had forsaken his whole deen for, forsaken his Iman, and he lost out for the everlasting bounties of Jannat, went forever into Jahannam Allah Ta'ala forbid. But where did this happen from? He didn't protect his gaze from looking at haram, from casting lustful glances, and where it took him to? To losing his Iman. This is a very, very major problem, very serious problem. 
and unfortunately we take it quite lightly. And what is in there? And as time goes, person becomes so accustomed to it that he doesn't give it a second thought afterwards. And whether his wife is watching or anybody can be watching, life carries on like nothing's happened. So in any case, we were talking about this irtidad, religing and forsaking one's deen. So, one is religing in that sense where a person totally, Allah forbid, gives up his deen and he says he's gone into another creed, whatever the thing that was, that greed for wealth or whether that love of some woman, whatever it was that took him, but in any case he left his faith. Then there's another level of it. That a person professes to be a mu'min. He conducts all the actions of believers as well. He's in the masjid. Sometimes he's in the masjid five times a day. He performs, let alone his first salah, even nafil salah too. He might be waking up for tahajjud also. Come the month of Ramadan, he's fasting diligently. Besides that, he's even keeping nafil fast. And he's making hajj every year. And charity, unlimited. So all these good deeds he's doing, and besides this, many, many other good deeds he does. So he professes to be a mu'min. He is doing all the amal of believers. But, sometimes it happens that such a person, his mind has reneged from certain aspects of deen. Hazrat Muhammad Abul Hassan Ali Nadiwi Rahmatullah he wrote one book on this particular issue and he titled it Riddatun Wala Aba Bakrin Laha that there is a flood of reneging, of forsaking of deen but there is no Abu Bakr standing in its path. What he was referring to actually was the incident that took place shortly after the passing on of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left this dunya and Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an now was appointed the Khalifa and at that time some of the Bedouins and some of the people in the outlying areas some decided that they are not going to give zakat anymore to the Amir that this was something that was exclusive to Rasulullah's time. It was his right to collect this zakat. They're not going to give it. Some rejected it. Some reneged. So at that time it was a very, very critical moment because all the enemies of Islam were looking at the Muslims and looking at Badina Munawara with very, very big eyes. This is the time. If we have ever had a chance to now annihilate the Muslims, this will be it. Because their Nabi has left them and they are now in this weak moment. So if ever we will get a chance, it's now. And they were actually now looking in this manner. And here these tribes, some started refusing to pay zakat, some some other things. And at that time, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he declared that we will now wage jihad against these people who have refused to pay the zakat and whatever else happened at that time. So because of this critical situation, many sahaba, and in fact all the sahaba, they were of the view that right now we should not interfere with this issue. Right now we should strengthen the borders of Islam, the borders of the Darul Islam, because this is a critical moment. All the enemies are looking at us with very, very big eyes. 
So rather we just leave this for now, there will be a time for this also. And to the extent that Hazrat Umar also came, and he also expressed the same view. Now there's the whole group of Sahaba, everybody, the whole body of Sahaba, they are of this opinion and view, not for any other reason, but because it seemed at that time that this was the right thing to do, to protect the Islamic State and the Darul Islam. So right now, if we now start dispersing our people and start sending, dispatching the armies to all these people, we will weaken Medina Munawara. And we will be left open to the attacks of the enemies. But Siddiq Akbar when Hazrat Umar comes to him and he also gives the same view, Hazrat Abu Bakr hits him in his chest. Hits him in his chest with some force. And then he says to him, Ajabbarun fil jahiliya wa khawarun fil Islam. Were you a mighty fellow in the time of jahiliya and ignorance? That nobody could come in your way. Now you too have become a coward in the time of Islam. And then he said, if nobody comes, I'll go myself. And he then draws out his sword. And when he did that, Allah Ta'ala opened it out in the hearts of the Sahaba Ikram, that this is the correct standpoint at this time. And they immediately calmed him. They said, no, this was just our view at that time we were expressing. We are with you. Shim Seifak, put your sword back in its sheath. And don't put us in this difficulty of you departing from us. We will go. And as a result, they went. And Madina Munawara was left, so to say, very weakened. Because the armies were all dispatched. But because he stood his ground against these tribes and others that had now reneged from Deen. Allah wa ta'ala used that as a means of these people coming back into Deen also. And even the enemy became very, very overawed. They didn't know what was going on. They looked at this in a very different way. Allah Ta'ala put this fear in their hearts. That these people are dispatching armies in all these villages. They must have got such strong armies and so many reinforcements that they, we don't even know about. As a result, they became afraid and they didn't make any move also. But the lesson in all this was, Hazrat Abu Bakr al-Anhu's standpoint and his firmness, that he stood in the way of this tide of irtidad that happened. Hazrat Ali, he describes this entire thing, and then he comes to the point and says, that in this time and age, there is a flood of irtidad, a flood of reneging. And what is this flood? Which level of irtidad? Which he terms as zihni irtidad what we can term as intellectual apostasy. That a person in name still calls himself a Muslim. He still declares that he is a believer. He still performs his salah, he performs all the other good deeds, all the fundamentals of Islam are there. But his heart and mind has reneged against so many fundamentals which are in the Quran Sharif. For example, there are people who express this. They call themselves Muslims, everything. But they express this openly. That this is na'uzubillah unjust. That at the time of the distribution of inheritance, then the male gets a double share compared to the female. That if they are sons and daughters, then the son will get a double share to that of the daughter. Na'uzubillah, this is, they will say, unjust. Can we imagine what is being said? 
the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala is saying that this is how it will be distributed and somebody says Allah Ta'ala's command, na'uz billah is unjust, where Iman gets left? Now this zihni irtidad, that a person is not prepared because of that propaganda, because of the indoctrination of the West and all the other things that go around and the media and whatever else, now the person is beginning to reject fundamentals, what Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in the Quran Sharif. Things that are established from the Quran Sharif directly, clear texts. Some person will claim, no, this interest, this is not the interest of that time, this is something else. And in this time and age, how can you conduct your business without getting involved in interest? If you don't have an overdraft facility, is that possible? Whereas Allah Ta'ala speaks about in the Quran Sharif that interest is that thing which is waging war with Allah Ta'ala. And besides giving interest which is bad enough, person takes interest without any care and will find some substantiation for it. Some distortion of some things and try to find some substantiation. This, is not, this doesn't refer to the, the, the Quran ayat, don't refer to this, that is something else. Whereas Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu attaqullah wa zaroo ma baqiya min riba in kuntum mu'mineen fa illam taf'alu fa'adhanu biharbim min Allahi wa Rasulim. That forsake this riba in interest, don't touch it. La'anallahu aakila riba wa mukilahu wa shahidayhi wa katibayhi wa qalahum sawa. Allah Ta'ala has cursed the one who consumes interest, the one who gives it. And it's such a detested thing that the one who, who records it, the one who witnesses the transaction, Allah Ta'ala has cursed all. وَقَالَهُمْ سَوَاءَ Nabi Salaam says, all are equal in the sin also. Allah Ta'ala says, forsake it. فَإِلَّمْ تَفْعَلُوا فَأَذَنُوا بِحَرْبٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ And if you refuse to take heed, then beware of war with Allah and His Rasul Wasallam. There is no other aspect in the Qur'an Sharif regarding which Allah Ta'ala has declared war. When it comes to interest, Allah Ta'ala has declared war. But a person now, his mind is not ready to accept this. So he rejects it. And he still calls himself a mu'min, still carries on with life like everything is fine. So the distortions that take place. And a person now sometimes is reading something, listening to something, because we read anything, we listen to anything, everything keeps running past through the social media and whatever else. So now many a times we pick up these things and it sits in the heart. That poison sits there. At that time it doesn't maybe affect the person immediately. These distortions sometimes much later, these distortions are every day you hear of a new distortion. Just today, something that somebody had sent, one of the South African ulama that is based in South America, so he sent some little karguzari. One of the things he mentioned, they were based in one masjid. So there's a female section as well, but they only come for Juma there, so that's the place that was given to the Jamaat to occupy. So there were a lot of uh, things that were pasted on the walls, some guidelines and pamphlets and whatever else. There was one written by a scholar. The scholar maybe you can say with a capital S. And now he's giving guidelines to the woman. Now what happens is, that a person first decides what he wants to do. Not what Allah Ta'ala wants. He decides first what I want. Now what I want, or what I desire, or how I feel it should be, now where I can try and find something, no matter how I have to distort it, 
how I can just cut and paste something from somewhere and distort something and try and pre- just present some substantiation. So now he has written a whole article that the guidelines for a woman when she has to leave the home. Or the guidelines, he's writing the guidelines for a woman when she has to leave the home. So firstly, all the encouragement that yes, she must be out in the world because he's already decided that, that that's what should be. So Allah Ta'ala says, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ That remain firmly in your homes, he's already not in agreement with this. And now he's putting the guidelines. A woman comes out, she must not be dressed like a beggar. Must be dressed smartly. And she should perfume herself. Now this is written in total contradiction of that which Rasulullah said. And he's finding some hadith in some way distorting it and presenting it as substantiation. Now every person regards himself as very, very discerning. I can't be fooled. I'm fine. Everything is perfect for me. And I can read what's what. But a person doesn't have the knowledge of things in its deeper context. What is being said in which context, the ahadith, which context it came in. What were the occasions of revelation of the ayat. And all the various other details that go with it. Now somebody pulls out something out of context and he presents it. And he's a scholar. And he has so many degrees. And he's a lecturer in certain place. In this university and that university. So now this person should know better. A person takes it. And sometimes this poison sits in the heart. Sometimes it might be pertaining to amal. Sometimes it is affecting our aqaid and beliefs. And it's, it's deep down in the heart. And that poison, sometimes physically, it affects after very long. In Khaybar, Rasulullah was presented with some meat. But one woman had poisoned it. One Jewish woman had poisoned it. Any case, Nabi Salaam had barely put it in his mouth and Jibreel came and informed him that this is poisoned. So he then left it, but it already had touched his lips. And as a result, this poison was so strong that it had its effect. Now, many years later, Nabi Salaam's last moments are in life. He's saying that now I'm feeling that our that now I can feel my jugular vein getting cut with that poison. And he even mentioned, I was continuously feeling the pain of it. But it was just being managed. But now the time came when it has actually taken my life as a apparent means. So sometimes physically also, it takes a long time before it really does its job. Allah's Nabi Wasallam, obviously any effect on his spirituality was impossible. He was masoom. But we are not. A person reads something, something that is affecting aqaid and beliefs. And now it's sitting in his mind and heart, but he didn't reflect on it. Allah forbid now at the time of moth, this is coming to mind. And he is now beginning to say, yes, this makes sense. And there's nobody there to even... Now, clear the doubt for him. What happens then? So the safe thing is that we don't read just anything and everything. We don't just listen to anything and everything. What we have been advised is authentic, then we refer to that. So this irtidad is on these various levels. Sometimes a person, Allah forbid, totally goes out and he says he's gone out. And sometimes a person, he declares himself to be believer, as a mu'min. 
But at the same time, all these things are happening. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu mayyirtadda minkum an deeni. Oh you who believe, anybody religious leaves his faith, leaves his deen. This doesn't harm Allah Ta'ala in any way. فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمِ يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ Allah Ta'ala will very soon, immediately, Allah Ta'ala will bring a nation, a people. Who are these people? Allah Ta'ala says regarding them, يُحِبُّهُمْ Allah Ta'ala will love them. And they will love Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala speaks about His love first. And their love after. So what is the reason for this? So all of I explain that Allah Ta'ala explains this, puts His love first, that a person who has love for Allah Ta'ala, this too is as a result of the grace of Allah Ta'ala. First Allah Ta'ala showed His love of the person. As a result now He begins to love Allah Ta'ala. So it is no kamal and no achievement of His. It is not His doing. It is nothing of His. He should be a humble servant of Allah Ta'ala. So therefore Allah Ta'ala further says, يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَهُ That these are the people of muhabbat. The people who are vested with the love of Allah Ta'ala. Their hearts are filled with the love of Allah Ta'ala. And now what are the signs of these people of muhabbat? The signs of these people of muhabbat, which the Mufassirin explained, which our Hazrat Wala, Hazrat Mu'ashachim, Wa Dakhtar Sahib Rahmatullahi, in one discourse explained it in detail. But the first thing Allah Ta'ala speaks about, in the Quran Sharif, azillatan ala al-mu'mineen, a'izzatan ala al-kafirin. What are the signs of these people of muhabbat? This is our goal, to gain the love of Allah Ta'ala. To gain His pleasure. وَرِضْوَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرٌ The pleasure of Allah Ta'ala is the greatest thing. This is our goal. Allah Ta'ala must become happy. So what are the signs of the people of muhabbat? First thing Allah Ta'ala says, azillatan ala al-mu'mineen. That they are very humble with the believers. They have akhlaq in them. They don't have arrogance and pride. They don't regard themselves as better than anybody. They regard themselves as the lowest of all. This is a sign of being vested with the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. That a person has humility. And this humility then becomes a natural thing within him. If you look in the lives of our Kabir, this is what it was. It wasn't something that they had to try to bring this humility. It was first nature. It become, became first nature because they were true ashiks of Allah Ta'ala and Rasulullah So the love of Rasulullah brought these sifat that Nabi Sallallahu taught. Hazrat Mawad Rashid Ahmad Gangoi on one occasion it was probably a hot day, so he was out teaching the lesson of hadith in the courtyard of the masjid. Like there's a courtyard here, but now it's covered. So in any case, he was in an open courtyard teaching hadith sharif. While this lesson is on, suddenly it started beginning to rain. So now when it started raining, now everybody is sitting there, all the students are sitting there with their kitabs open, and now it started raining. So the immediate reaction was that my guru, take care of the kitabs, the books, that they don't, they don't get wet. So immediately everybody picked up their kitabs, picked up their desks, and they rushed into the masjid to bring it under cover. So as everybody now came away into the masjid with their kitabs and their 
desks. Now they suddenly, because everything happened now in, in the spur of a moment, as soon as the rain came, everybody started waking up to pick up everything. So at that time, nobody took notice. But now when they came into the masjid undercover, now they're looking ways, and they suddenly look and realize that what he's done, that while everybody was busy picking up their kitabs and coming away in, he went and spread out his shawl, and he gathered everybody's shoes and put it in there, was bringing everybody's shoes in. Who's he? A person of that caliber who, was in centuries people of that caliber come about. And it didn't take him any, didn't have to think about it also. That everybody is now busy doing something. Now oh, these shoes are lying here, these shoes are going to get wet also. Not that these are the shoes of my juniors. Or it's somebody else's, not mine. But this was their nature. It became first nature, this tawazu, this humility. Without a second thought, he is gathering and picking up all these shoes and bringing it up. Hazrat Mahashafari Thanwi is sitting on the mimbar. And one person now, he's in a place where now there's all kinds of people there. So one person sends one little note. And now that note, as sometimes that note passes on from one to the next. So it came to him. Now he opened the note and he read it. So when he read it, so he then read it out and he said to the people, that look, this is what's written here. The first thing that is written here is that, Tum kafir ho, na'uzubillah. That you are a disbeliever. So after having read the whole thing, he said, look, the first thing that has been written here is that, I'm being told that I'm a kafir. So let's not get into the debate. I'm reciting the shahadat in front of everybody here. So he recited the shahadat and says, fine, everybody now has become witness that I've recited the shahadat. Alhamdulillah, I have iman from before. So that's done now. Now how calmly and coolly can a person do this? Who can do it? Only that person who has this tawazu and humility. That a person who is being called this kind of thing in the presence of a whole gathering and he can calmly say that, look, this doesn't affect me because it doesn't apply. But in any case, I recited the shahadat also for your benefit. And the second thing, tum jolahe ho. Now, jolaha in Indian context is like a very, like almost like a swear word. It doesn't mean anything in itself, cotton weaver. But now, when somebody is being ridiculed, somebody is being degraded, then he'll be called a jolaha. So the second thing he says, tum jolahe ho. So he says, well, look, I haven't come here for some proposal or something. That now I must worry about that maybe the people I want to propose to for their daughter, they'll say this person is a jolaha, so chase him away from here. I haven't come from that, so that I don't have to now even bother about getting into this issue. This must leave it. What becomes our situation if somebody says something out of turn? Now who can do this? Who can just dismiss it? person who has tawazo, who has humility, who doesn't have this ease about himself, who he can just pass by these things. Nabi Wasallam, Abu Lahab's wife, to distort his Mubarak name also and compose some very insulting poetry against him. And Nabi Wasallam would sometimes come to know about it. So what he would say? That look how Allah Ta'ala has turned away the abuse of the Quraysh. How Allah Ta'ala has turned away from me the abuse of the Quraysh. That they are abusing Muzammam. And I'm Muhammad. 
it's not my name, what they are doing. They are talking about somebody else. They are talking about some Muzammam, that's somebody else, not me. And that's the end of the story. Of the same Tawazu. So Tami says that this is, doesn't apply to, I don't have to worry about it. And the third thing is saying, beware of what you speak. So I didn't come here to speak, I was called. If everybody says that I shouldn't speak, I'm ready to close this up and carry on. So I'll just say, no, carry on, please don't worry about this. There's some mischief maker. Please carry on, we have come to benefit from what you are saying. So this is that tawazu and humility, which is one of the very essential parts of akhlaq. And when a person will have this tawazu, then there will be peace. Then there will be peace within the four walls of the home. There will be peace with his parents. There will be peace with his wife. There will be peace with his children. There will be peace with the extended family. Because when a person has tawazu, to start off with, he won't get caught up in issues. And he's insan, he sometimes can make a mistake, but if he has tawazu, he'll be very quick to apologize. It won't be a burden and a mountain on him to apologize. If there's tawazu. If there isn't tawazu, to apologize will become one of the most difficult things in life. Right or wrong? Right or wrong, it will become one of the most difficult things in life to simply ask for forgiveness. So, this tawazu, there will be peace when there is tawazu and humility. Because a person will be able to, number one, stay out of issues, because he won't react. If he's humble, he won't, because one Buzruk was walking, and walking with all his associates, and somewhere from up, somebody threw ash out of a window. So all this ash and dirt all came and fell on him. So when it fell on him, he said, Alhamdulillah. So those around him were surprised. Is this the time to say Alhamdulillah? So he says, no, I didn't say Alhamdulillah that ash fell on me. I said Alhamdulillah because I reflected on this. I am such a person that I was deserving of fire being rained down upon me. I made shukar, ya Allah, it's your shukar that only ash came, not fire. Otherwise, I was deserving of fire. Now, who can think like that in one moment? Person who has tawazu in his heart, that I am nobody. So since I am nobody, what happened to was just ghanimat, it was just my good fortune that wasn't worse. So any case, this is what Allah Ta'ala is saying, Adillatan ala al-mu'mineen, they are very, very humble. They are humble with the believers. Ashiddatan ala al-kafireen, they are firm against the disbelievers. One is to be just, to be fair, to be honest. That is extremely important and compulsory with anybody. With a Muslim, with a disbeliever. But, there are certain lines that we won't cross in terms of our conduct, in terms of how we do things in life. That now we won't cross that line. Somebody wants us to do it in a different way. The disbelievers want us to do it in some other way. This is our deen. We'll stay within our limits of deen. And we will not compromise on deen. So, Ashiddatan alal kafirin, they are firm against the disbelievers. They are just, but they don't cross the boundaries of deen. And they don't compromise on deen. And yujahiduna fi sabilillah, wala yakhafuna lawmatalaim, that they strive in the path of Allah Ta'ala, in uplifting deen. They strive in giving up what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. They strive in bringing the commands of Allah Ta'ala in their lives. They strive in giving up haram. When they are tempted to look at haram, to listen to haram, to speak haram, to go to haram places, they stay far away from all this. They crush the temptation, but they don't give in to it. 
So this is part of that mujahada. Yujahiduna fi sabilillah. All this is part of it. They strive in helping the deen of Allah Ta'ala. That is part of it also. All these various tafsirs have been given by the Mufassirin. So this is, these are all the signs of the Ahlul Muhabbad. Those who Allah Ta'ala has blessed with His love. And they don't fear the rebuke of anyone. That somebody now is going to say that you two becoming a big Sufi of the time, you don't know we're living in the 20th century, and now a person wants to do something in the correct way, so all others will all now fall behind him. What you want to do? He wants to have his wedding in the right way, so now he'll hear a whole lot of criticism from even near and dear ones, from those who are closest to him, they'll probably rain down the greatest amount of criticism on him, but he doesn't compromise on his deen. This is only the grace of Allah Ta'ala. That a person can accomplish any of these things is not his accomplishment. It's not his achievement. It's only the grace of Allah Ta'ala. So therefore a person can never ever for one second also ever afford to become boastful, to become proud. Otherwise in one moment everything can go away. Allahu Asi'un Alim. Allah Ta'ala's grace is abundant. Allah Ta'ala's grace is unlimited. And Allah Ta'ala is full aware of everything. These are the signs of those who Allah Ta'ala has blessed with muhabbat, with love. And they have been brought in contrast to those who are the people of irtidad. Those who have reneged. So a person for the safety of his iman, there's one route. That is to develop the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Develop the love of Allah Ta'ala. To the extent he will develop this love, to that extent he will get protected from this irtidad and reneging at all its levels. Time is already out, but just very briefly, what are the things that will increase this love, develop this love? One is every amal for the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Person is performing his salah for the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. We don't make this niyat unfortunately. Salah is not because I have to get something done with. No, for the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Tilawat of the Quran Sharif for the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Tasbih. After Fajr, after Asr, that is the time at least that we should be making the Tasbih. Even at other times, after every Salah, to recite the Tasbih of Fatimi, this great Fadail. No person can attain the rewards compared to that person who has recited this tasbih after every salah. So, now everything he will do, he will do something in terms of helping somebody only for the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. He will smile at a Muslim brother for the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. So every amal with that niyat, with that intention, Allah for your muhabbat. Then, muraqaba is shukr. To take time to ponder over the ni'mats of Allah Ta'ala and to express hamd and shukr to Allah Ta'ala. Sometimes to say, Ya Allah, this hand, who gave me this hand? Ya Allah, you gave me. These five fingers, how much I use it daily, from morning till evening. From the moment I wake up, I'm using these fingers. I can't do without it. I can't have my meals without it. I can't even make istinja without this. I can't even write without it. I can't do one and thousand and one things in the day that I do using these fingers. Ya Allah, you bless me with it. If a person came into this dunya without this, can anybody give it to him? 
Now to look at it, to think about it, ponder over it, and repeatedly, Ya Allah, your shukr, this, this is your ni'mat. Allahumma laka alhamd, wa laka shukr. Ya Allah, it's only your bounty. Nobody has given it to me. Ya Allah, this eye. What a ni'mat. What a bounty you've given me. I see so many millions of things with this eye. I've never thanked you for it. And Allah forbid how many things I've seen and I've looked at which you have forbidden. What great ingratitude I've committed. What a terrible disloyalty I've committed. You blessed me with this. All these surgeons and doctors and specialists of the world can get together. Ya Allah, they cannot give me this eye. If this eye is gone, they cannot give it to me. Ya Allah, you've blessed it to me for free. I didn't pay one cent for it. Ya Allah, all these ni'mats are yours. One person couldn't pass urine. His urine got blocked, which happens sometimes due to certain complications. So after a lot of difficulty and pain, finally ended up the doctor and some procedure was performed and he managed to pass water. So eventually now the bill came. So when the bill came, the poor man started crying. So the doctor thought that perhaps he can't afford the bill. So he told him that you can't afford it. So he said, no, I'm not crying about the bill. Alhamdulillah, I can afford the bill, I'll pay you. What I'm crying about is, that for 55, 60 years, every day Allah Ta'ala enabled me to fulfill this function without any difficulty, I didn't get a bill one day. Today, one day, makhluk enabled me to fulfill this function and I got a bill for it. And for so many years, my Rabb enabled me to do this, I didn't make shukar one time. So to think of these ni'mats, to think of these bounties, all the innumerable favors of Allah Ta'ala, this ni'mat of Iman, this ni'mat of Islam, the greatest of all bounties, to surround and ponder and think, and think of all these favors Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, and what would have been our condition if Allah Ta'ala didn't give it to us? Where would have got it from? And when we will repeatedly do this, among other things as well, then this too will develop this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, and the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. To the extent the person keeps remembering Allah Ta'ala, this will bring the love of Allah Ta'ala. Obviously it goes without saying that a person has to fulfill all the faraiz of deen, fundamentals of deen, refrain from whatever Allah Ta'ala has forbidden each time that he goes against the dictates of nafs and he crushes that desires, haram desires. This too will develop the love of Allah Ta'ala. All these things put together will inshallah develop this fire of love in his heart and then he'll become part of the Ahl Muhabbat. This will become the protection and safeguard of his Iman, and he'll be safe from becoming from the people of Irtidad. May Allah wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq, safeguard our Iman, Allah ta'ala bless us with his Muhabbat. Wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillah, rabbil alam.